starting a new sermon series this week called Still Standing. I just want to read to you the, the blurb that we've got on the slide there. We're all on a journey. There are hills to climb. There are mountaintops to enjoy. There are dry plains that seem to go on forever. There are storms that hit just when we feel furthest from shelter. But let's reach our destination still standing. And that's what this series is about. As we go through life's journey with all of its struggles, let's still be standing at the end. I wonder how many of us just in this last year have been through a significant life journey. Anyone been through a significant life journey this year? Where there's been big changes. I know some of us have done exams this year. We've had big life changes. And it can be tough, can't it? There can be long slogs. Let's be honest with each other now. Were there points in our journey where, frankly, we're not sure if we were still standing? Were there perhaps points in your journey where, rather than standing, you were hiding under the duvet? Or is that just me? Yeah, we all have our hiding under the duvet moments. We're on a journey individually, but we're also on a journey as a church. We're on a journey. I believe we've moved forward in a significant way in this last year, actually, as a church. We've taken on some big new challenges this year. Where's our Make Lunch team? If you're a Make Lunch, give me a wave. This this is our awesome Make Lunch team. Aren't they fantastic? So we, it was about a year ago that the idea for Make Lunch started to brew. If you don't know what Make Lunch is, um, for children who would usually receive free school meals during term time, during the holidays, it can be a real financial burden to parents to try and feed them. They... You know, we often end up, you hear stories of parents ending up not feeding themselves just in order to feed their children. And so Make Lunch is a project where during the school holidays, you serve a free hot meal to those children and their families. And we started this project nearly a year ago. I'm trying, I'm looking at Linda. When was our first? It was October half term. So we're just coming up from the year. And yeah, our first one, I don't think we had any visitors, did we? But it's grown. And over the summer, we have done lunches for families every single Wednesday over the summer holidays. What was our peak numbers? 35 people who we fed lunch to. Isn't that fantastic? 35 people, children and their parents. And these guys have kept going every Wednesday. And I think that's so amazing that they've pushed through that. Even, I know, some of the Wednesdays, it was really hot weather. You remember the hot weather? Where you probably thought, actually, I'm just going to grab takeout because I can't face putting the oven on, yeah? These guys were in the Unit 11 kitchen cooking dinner for 35 people. It was toasty, and they kept going. So I I want to honour these guys for the commitment they've made, but that's been an amazing journey they've been on. And there's been highs and lows in that journey. We've also, as a church this year, started doing the parents and toddlers group on a Friday. That's been gradually growing. It's been a really exciting change. But, you know, as we go through journeys, when we're on a journey, we're more vulnerable. Because when we're on a journey, when we're branching out into new things, we get tired, we get challenged. Things can be a little bit unsettled. And so we're more vulnerable to getting weary. We're more vulnerable to perhaps having arguments with each other. I know I read just, I think it was while we were on holiday, there was an article on the BBC News website um, about how it's a good idea to actually have some time off and some rest before you go on your family holiday because it helps to avoid arguments. 
Honesty time again, guys. Who's been on a family holiday in the last few months? Okay. Who feels that perhaps some rest beforehand might have avoided a few arguments? My husband is putting his hand up. Thanks for your honesty, darling. Yeah, let's just say, when we prepare for holiday, we're preparing to move somewhere new, I get a tiny bit stressy. Just, just, just a little bit. Not very much, is it, Chris? Just a tiny bit. Not much. A little bit stressy. That, Brian, is merely because the men are so careless about remembering to pack the right things, okay? Just saying. Yeah, we wouldn't have to be so stressed if you guys got your act together, you know? Yeah. Whatever, whatever. Anyway, so when we're on a journey, we are more vulnerable to things. We're more vulnerable to tiredness. We're more vulnerable to arguments. We're more vulnerable to falling down. And so it's really important that we take measures to ensure that we come through these journeys still standing because we should be on a journey. We shouldn't be standing still in our own life and we shouldn't be standing still as a church. We should be moving forwards But that means that we're making ourselves vulnerable. And so we need to make sure that we do what we can to stay standing. And so that's what this series is all about. We're on a journey this year. Some of you perhaps have big journeys this year in your personal life. I believe we're on a journey as a church. I'm quite excited about where we're headed this year as a church. Let's make sure that this time next year we've come through still standing. So... There's a Bible passage about that, which is in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you'd like to turn to it so you can follow along, it's Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 10 to 18. So from verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Look at the person next to you and say, be strong in the Lord. Excellent work. Well done. I hate preachers who do that, by the way, but because I had it done to me so much over the summer, I've decided I'm going to inflict it on you now. Okay. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God. Say that to the person next to you. Put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Put on the full armour of God. For the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at each part of that armour and considering 
how we put that armor on. Now, I'm mindful as I say that, that there may be some of us who have been around in church a long time and who have read this particular passage and been taught about the armor of God approximately five billion times, yes? It's one of those passages that gets used a lot. It's one that you do in Sunday school. Who can remember, as a child in Sunday school, being taught about putting on the armor of God? And it's very easy, therefore, and I fully expect that some of you will be thinking, done this already, Claire, bit basic for us, you know. But can I just say to you something? Getting dressed. When did you learn to get dressed? How old were you approximately when you learned to get dressed? Anyone going to volunteer? 42, excellent. (laughs) Well, three-ish, something like that, yes. So at that point that you learned to get dressed, did you then say, okay, I'm done getting dressed now, I never have to get dressed ever again? (laughs) I would hope that getting dressed is something you do every day, yeah? Just because you've learned how to do it, just because you've done it once, doesn't mean that's done with. You have to do getting dressed every day. And so we need to come back to putting on this armor frequently, every day. We need to remind ourselves. Frankly, there's the old husband in the room who needs to relearn how to do getting dressed because the style's a bit questionable, okay? It's always good to review getting dressed. So we are going to revisit this one. Okay, let me just find my page. Right, here we go. So this week, I'm calling belt and braces because we're looking at the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. So I had a little Google, that great expert on all things, to find a belt. You see, this armor is sort of illustrated by the armor that the Roman soldiers who were around at the time would have worn. Okay, So this is the picture that people would have had in mind when Paul was writing about this armor of God. So this is an example of a Roman soldier's belt. Okay? Attractive, isn't it? Um, the, the, the pointy bit there is where they would have kept their sword. Okay? And then the, the dangly bits with the metal studs on them is the bit that would go in front here. Okay? Now, well, this, in fact, is the question, Lydia. What is the purpose of the belt of truth? Now, I remember as a child being taught that the belt of truth was the thing that held their tunic in so that they didn't trip over. Possibly. There is perhaps a thinking, looking at those dangly bits, that the belt of truth is what protected a particularly vulnerable part. Now, let's be very frank for a moment. Those metal bits are hanging on dangly leather straps. Ain't going to offer you much protection, people. Okay, A spear's going to go straight through that. From what I found on Google, the great expert on life, it seems that the main purpose, the main reason that they wore this belt of truth wasn't as a defensive thing as such. It was a mark of who they were. Only a Roman soldier was allowed to wear one of those belts. And those metal studs and whatnot, they don't really seem to have any defensive purpose. They were more about looking the part. Yeah, a cod piece, if we want to call it that. But it was about looking good. It wasn't about offering protection. It was about saying, hey, look, 
I'm a Roman soldier. If you saw someone wearing one of those belts, you'd know they're a Roman soldier, probably don't want to mess with them. Okay? It was about identity. And so the question I want us to think about in regards to the belt of truth is who am I? If you wear a Roman soldier's belt, you're a Roman soldier. If you're wearing a belt of truth, you're asking the question, who am I? Who am I? So just to check that we all have some idea of who we are, could you just very briefly introduce yourself to the person next to you? Off you go. Tell them who you are. Okay, so some of us are going a bit further and telling our entire life history there, it seems, and inviting each other for coffee. So, now, can I just check, when the person next to you introduced themselves to you, did anyone introduce themselves and say, hi, I'm God? And Anyone? Good, that's reassuring. We haven't got anyone with a God delusion in the room. Okay. But then let me ask you a slightly more challenging question. When was the last time you acted like you were God? When was the last time you tried to be superhuman and do it all yourself? When was the last time that you tried to solve someone else's problem that was outside of your control and then felt guilty when you didn't manage to solve the problem. When was the last time you decided for yourself which way you were going to go with something without asking the real God? When was the last time you acted like you were God? Because actually, you're not God. Neither am I. And neither is anyone else. So so don't go around expecting anybody else to be God either. Okay? We are all human. We are flawed. We mess up. And if we go through this journey trying to be God, we're not still going to be standing at the end. We're not still going to be standing at the end. Because we're not God. We can't do everything in our own strength. We are going to make mistakes. There are things in life that are outside of our control. We are not God. We're not up to that standard. And we need to start out, as we put on that belt of truth, realizing who we really are. I'm not God. I can't do it all. There are things outside of my control, but, it's a big but, don't get rude humour on that one, please, people. There's a but in this. I am not strong enough. I am going to fail, but, Jesus. There are things that God says about me because of Jesus. And some of you in the room, I've given you a little slip with a Bible verse to read for me that says something about who we really are, what that belt of truth of who we really are is. So if you've got a verse that I've given you. Can you get it ready now, please? And we're going to go through and read them. So who's got number one for me? Linda, leap up in a loud voice. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to 
the right to become children of God. Say to yourself, I am a child of God. Next one, number two. Who's got number two? Taya. You are chosen by God to bear fruit. Say that. I am chosen by God to bear fruit. Number three, Brian. Okay, this is 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anoints us, sets his seal of ownership upon us, and puts his spirit in our heart as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So there's three things in that verse. I'm anointed by God. God has placed his seal on me. God has put his spirit in me. Next one, number four, I think we're up to, Chris. I am free from condemnation. And finally, that must be you, Helen. I am the righteousness of God. Say that one. I am the righteousness of God. That's the truth of who you are. And that last one, I am the righteousness of God, leads us rather nicely onto the next piece of the armour, which is the breastplate of righteousness. It should appear in a moment. Here we go. Now, I did a little bit of research on the breastplates that the Roman soldiers would have worn. I found two different types. I don't know if they were from slightly different eras or what, but there were two different types. So there was this kind, which looks quite nice, quite, you know, protective there. And then my personal favourite was this kind, which obviously mirrors the exact physique that you have underneath your breastplate of righteousness. I quite liked that one. I would definitely, sorry? They're different ranks, are they? So only the higher ranks have the the six-pack. Yeah. So only the centurions get the (sighs) six-pack. Gutted, because I'm not thinking I would be up there with the centurions. Anyway, what's the purpose of a breastplate? Hopefully it's fairly obvious, this one. What does a breastplate do? Why do they wear it? To protect your heart. It's all about protecting your heart. I wanted to add into that as well, because I was trying to envisage wearing this centurion breastplate. I'm guessing it's pretty hard to slouch in one of them. Do you think? I'm thinking you'd probably be forced to stand up pretty straight as well. So it protects your heart and makes you stand up straight. So the question that we can ask ourselves on this is, how is my heart? How is your heart? <laughs> um, no, not in the physical sense. I was going more for the metaphorical sense there, okay? <laughs> but on the, the physical note there, so it may surprise you. This will come as a great shock to you all, I know, because you all are under the impression that I am in my mid-twenties, aren't you? Yes? You all think I'm in my mid-twenties? Absolutely. So the, the GP agrees with me. I look like I'm... I have the physique of a 20-year-old, yes? Excellent. Now... I actually turned 40 this year, 
I thank you. I thank you. I know, shocking, isn't it? I've survived 40 years. Which meant I got an invitation to the NHS MOT. Okay, I'm old enough to go in for a service now, it seems. For those of you who have not reached the, the esteemed age of 40, when you reach that age, your surgery invites you to come in for, for a general check. They check your blood pressure. Um, they, they do some like, they do a pinprick blood test to check your cholesterol levels and various things like that. And at the end of, of this assessment, they give you a rather lovely statistic of what percentage likely are you to die in the next year? Which is nice off the my field. It's like, thanks, great. Now, you'll be pleased to know that mainly on grounds of the fact that I'm 40 and not, you know, 70, 80-ish, the, st- the statistical chance of me dying in the next year was pretty small. It was like 0.2% or something. I, I can't even remember what it was. 0.2. Oh. Not 42. No, no. Panic not. I'm not leaving you yet, Lydia. 0.2%. It was... Would you? Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty low. However, I was warned by the nurse, actually, the reason it's so low is because you're still only 40. Because actually, turns out that for all that I might look reasonably fit and healthy on the outside, I actually have slightly high cholesterol. Who knew? Turns out, in my defense, yes, I do eat a lot of chocolate and cake, but it's a genetic thing in my family. Okay, Everyone in my family is prone to high cholesterol, so it's not just my doing here. Okay? But that really struck me. You know, I look on the outside to be pretty fit and healthy. You know, I'm not particularly overweight. I lead a fairly active lifestyle. I ticked all, when they asked me the lifestyle questions, I was ticking all the right boxes. Apparently, dog walking ticks the exercise box for you. So that's a bonus. But I'm not the healthiest on the inside. My heart is slightly more at risk because I have slightly high cholesterol. And so that's something I need to be careful of. And that made me think, as we're going through our walk with God, as we're going through our Christian life, we can often think we look like we're doing a pretty good job. Yeah? We're perhaps serving in church and doing a pretty good job of that, you know? We can be um, building relationship with people and encouraging them. We can be being very good and having our daily quiet time and reading our Bible and praying and ticking all the right boxes. And we can start to think that our heart is pretty strong, actually. I'm doing pretty well. And in fact, I've got quite a nice set of ribs protecting my heart. They're good, strong ribs. So I'm not sure I need that breastplate of righteousness because actually I'm looking quite good. My ribs are good and strong. I've got a good strong heart in there. But however strong your heart is, it's still squishy. And however strong your ribs are, the the doctor in the room is laughing, your hearts are squishy, yes? Fairly squishy. I've I've felt a heart, they're squishy. Not a human one, just just in science lessons, I hasten to add. And however strong your ribs might be, your ribs have gaps in between them. Okay, spears can go through the gaps. We might think, I've got this. I'm doing good. But we're still vulnerable. We still need to wear that breastplate of righteousness to protect us. Because our heart is vulnerable. And you know the great thing about a breastplate like that 
breastplate on the squishiest thing. Let's, let's say an overripe peach. Okay? We could put that on an overripe peach and it would be safe. It wouldn't get squished because that breastplate is in the way. You could put the, the centurion one with that nice molded six pack onto the scrawniest wimp and they would be protected by that breastplate. Because the power of the breastplate isn't in the person wearing it, it's in the breastplate itself. And our breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of God, isn't from our own righteousness. It doesn't come from how good our own heart is. It doesn't come from how strong our own ribs are. It comes from the righteousness of God. Let's, let's be sure we're absolutely clear on our understanding of this. You see, we are never good enough. Let's be honest, we're not good enough, yeah? We mess up. We get things wrong. And when Jesus went to the cross to die, that was to take all of our messing up, all, all of our wrong, to the cross with him. All of our sin, all our messing up we've ever done and ever will do, can go to death on the cross with him. But sometimes we stop at that point. And so we say, okay, all of my sin's gone. Done. And I'm left here empty-handed. But Jesus did more than that on the cross. He didn't just take our sin. The Bible tells us that he took our sin and then he gave us something back in exchange. He gave us his righteousness. So actually for us, we're not standing here, yes, having gotten rid of all the bad stuff, but now standing here with nothing. We've got the righteousness of Jesus. And his righteousness is definitely like that breastplate on the right there. It's definitely got the six-pack going on. That righteousness is now ours. And that's what protects our heart. His righteousness, not our own, because our own is never going to be strong enough. However unrighteous you feel, however many times you mess up, however ashamed you may feel, however weak you may feel, you get to wear that same breastplate. God's righteousness. You get to have God's muscles over your heart. So what do we need to do in response to this? We've looked at two bits of armour there. We, we hopefully understand the truth of those, of, of who we are, that identity that we have in Jesus, and that righteousness that is available to us. What do we need to do in response? Well, it's quite simple. We need to get dressed. Because, you know, you can hold the belt of truth, and you can hold the breastplate of righteousness, and say, yeah, I know, I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God, yep, I know, I know that Jesus died for me, that his righteousness is now mine, I know. But if you just hold them and go into battle, (laughs) you ain't going to be standing up very long. You need to actually put them on, you need to own it, and get dressed in them. What you wear is actually quite a powerful thing. Has anyone ever noticed how 
if, if you're in a crowd or, or you know, a public place, if you put on one of those high-vis vests, suddenly you have authority. Suddenly people think they have to listen to you. Have you ever found that? It's quite empowering. Or if you have a lanyard. <laughs> Lanyards seem to just earn an amount of respect. Andrew's about... You see, immediately <laughs> we all have more respect. We believe Andrew now has authority because he is wearing a lanyard, yeah? What you put on, what you wear, makes a difference. What you wear is where your strength to stay standing is going to come from. If you forget to get dressed, you're not going to stay standing long in this journey. So, take a moment to think now. Maybe you've never put this armour on before. Maybe you've never really looked at that belt of truth and said, I'm not God, but I am God's child. I am forgiven. I am chosen by him. I am anointed by him. He has placed his seal on me. Maybe you've looked at the belt before, but you've never actually taken it on for yourself before. And that's something you might want to do today. Maybe you've known about, yeah, yeah, God's righteousness, but you've never chosen to put it on for yourself before. And so if that's you, why don't we put it on today? Make today the day that you get dressed in that armour. But maybe you're one of those people saying, yeah, armour of God, old news, been doing it since I was six years old. But actually, perhaps we can all say, you know what? I think I've been a little bit forgetful about putting it on. I think actually sometimes I've forgotten my belt of truth and I've been mistaken and thought maybe I'm God for a little bit. And I've tried to do things in my own strength. I've tried to go my own way with things. I've taken on a burden of responsibility for for someone else's problem that is beyond my control. I've tried to solve it when actually it's God who needs to solve it. Perhaps you've decided that actually your spiritual six-pack is looking pretty good. Maybe you haven't been wearing the breastplate of righteousness and actually your six-pack is looking tanned now because you've had it out so long. It's time to get that breastplate of righteousness back on your righteousness comes from God alone. You need that. You cannot stand in your own strength. You need the righteousness of God. So, as we draw to a close now, we're going to do a couple of things. We're we're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to have the words come up on the screen because I'd like us to actually pray it together. And I know sometimes if you do the thing where I say a line and then you say it, If that were me, I'd be really irritated because I like to know what I've got to say before I say it, just in case there's something in there I don't agree with. So I'm going to have it up on the screen. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to come into a time of worship. And during the time of worship, we're going to break bread and share some grape juice together as a remembrance of what Jesus did. He asked us to remember what he did in this way. And that act of breaking bread, that act of sharing the grape juice can perhaps be our way of saying, yeah, I've put on the belt of truth. I've put on the breastplate of righteousness and now I am part of this. I receive his sacrifice for me. So I'll get the prayer up. Band, do you want to get yourselves ready?
There are two pages to the prayer, so the second page will be the surprise, okay? But feel free to read it through while the band are getting ready, just in case I've put anything in there that you think, oh, no, not saying that bit. And once the band are up, we'll read it through, pray it together, and then move into worship. Okay, let's pray this together, guys. I've tried to be God, and I know I'm not up to it. I know I make bad decisions. I know I get things wrong, and I fall down. It's time to let you be God in my life. I choose to receive the identity you offer me as a child of God. I'm putting on the belt of truth. I receive the forgiveness you offer me. As you take my sin in your death on the cross, I receive your righteousness. I wear the breastplate of your righteousness over my heart every day as I follow you. Amen. Let's worship God.